Good morning, church. My name is Wen Lee, and I serve as a discipleship resident here. Um, I'm 24 years old, and I'm from Statesboro. And uh, Brandon asked me on Thursday to come share my testimony, and as I thought about it, I thought he was a little crazy, um, giving me about four days. And he said, Wen, everything will be okay. Just whenever the lights come on, it's going to be the most awkward time of your life. And I'm not kidding, y'all. The 9 o'clock, I just sat here and I was like, what do I say? What do I say? So, good morning, church. How are y'all doing this morning? Um, but as I said, it's just a joy. Um, I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy to be able to share my story. I'm happy it's Palm Sunday. I'm happy for what Jesus has done in my life. And what I want to communicate today is that I'm not perfect. I'm not going to claim to be perfect. There are times today where I still mess up. There are things that I do that are in the wrong. There's times that I t say no to God. There's times that I still don't understand God. And that's okay. Like Brandon always says, it's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way, right? But it's a continual grind as the Christian walk is. So um, what I'm going to do is ask you to open your Bibles to Matthew 16, 24 through 26. And this is the last week of our End of Me series. Um, it's been a great series for me, just continually trying to die to myself, continually trying to take up my cross as, as we're going to talk today. But it is a struggle um, there are times where we don't feel like following Jesus, um, but we have to remind ourselves it's what we know and what God's done in our heart. Um, so if you will read with me, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Pray with me, church. Uh, Father, God, we just thank you, Lord, for how good you are, God. We thank you that on this day, Lord, that Jesus rode a donkey into Jerusalem, God, that people put down their cloaks, cut branches, God, just for him not to get his feet dirty, God, to honor him as worthy, Lord, and they thought that he was coming as a king, but in reality, he was coming as a servant. God, that he was coming to be abandoned. He was coming to be forsaken by his friends and abandoned and betrayed by Judas. God, and he willingly went on that cross, God, and he willingly died, God, a death that we deserve, Lord. So I just pray that every word, God, that is of me, that you take it away. God, I pray that you, um, God, that people see you in this, Lord, that it's not a story about me, but it's a story about how good you are in my life. God, what you've done for me, God, can be done for everyone. Lord, so we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you for that cross that he died on and the tomb that he rose out of. And it's in his holy name. Amen. Uh, but like I said, my prayer all week has been, or since Thursday, just found out about this, um, has been that, that y'all don't see me, that this isn't a story about what I've done or what, what I've accomplished or what I've willed myself to do, um, but that you've seen the Holy Spirit work in me, God, that you see God's glory shown through me. But... Like most of y'all, I, I grew up in church. See, I grew up here in Statesboro where if you run into one church and you trip and fall over it, you land on another, right? We all attended several different churches. I was the guy that was always in the youth group that, that went through everything. I was baptized as a baby. I did all the things that the Christian kids did. Um, but the reality was that, that my being was rooted in who I was outside of Christ. So I was, I was firmly or shallowly rooted and my identity of being a baseball player in high school and in college. I, my baseball career in college lasted about three months. Um, don't want me. 
um, but I was a good athlete, and that's where I, where I found myself. And then after baseball ended, um, I was in a place where I had the freedom to do what people told me to do and live up the college lifestyle that I was told to live up. I was told, go live it up, go have the fun that you deserve. You'll never have a time like college where you get to party and do those things. So that's exactly what I did. Um, I began to indulging in sex and drugs and alcohol, and that became the foundation of who I was as a person. It led me on this roller coaster of ups and downs because those things never fulfilled me. So I was on this roller coaster, and my identity problem was actually a heart problem, right? My heart was rooted in the wrong place because my heart was after what I wanted and what I thought I deserved in this life. Um, it led me into a serious state of depression. And depression's been my heart ever since I got saved. And I just want to share some statistics with y'all that have spoken to me. Um, according to suicide.org, a teen takes his or her own life every 100 minutes. Suicide is the third leading cause of death for young people ages 15 to 24. Approximately 20% of teens experience depressions before they reach adulthood. Between 10 to 15% suffer from symptoms at any one time, and only 30% of those get diagnosed for it. See, this depression for me was not just a state of sadness. It was not just a bad mood or a thing that I could just be happy and get myself out of. It was me standing in a room full of people like this and feeling all alone. It was because the world had told me that I must look like this, that I must act like this, that I must be this to be that. As a man, I'm told that I must be this strong, that I must look this. And girls, you're told the same thing, that you must look like this, you must weigh this, you must be this to be that, right? But the problem was that the shoes that the world gave me to fill my feet were never meant to fit in. That I was always on this continual search of more and more and more because I was never satisfied with what I had because I would never be what the world told me I should be because they were given this high expectation that was not meant for me. See, the state of depression led to more drug use. It led to more sin. See, like Brandon said, that sin is a temporary action to find temporary fulfillment, and that's exactly what I was doing in every aspect of my life. See, I felt like a lot of, like Peter drowning because the weight of just this world was on top of me, but the difference between me and Peter is Peter knew that there was a savior to that to grab hold of and to save him, and I had no idea about him. See, I'd always heard about this feel-good Jesus that was there if you needed him and would make you a better person, but all the people that I saw that claimed that identity looked like me. Eventually, I was in a place where those, that depression led to suicidal thoughts, and on June 20th, 2015, I put a gun in my mouth. It was the lowest place I've ever been still to this day, and I can't imagine the feeling that I actually had whenever I was in it. See, what I didn't know that was God was already drawing me closer to him. That by the grace of God, I put the gun down, and what I didn't realize until this a couple of days ago was that a lot of wind died on that day. A lot of me actually died after this. I went on a quest to, you know, we've all tried it, to figure ourselves out or to get our act together. I tried everything. I tried a, a new job. I tried a new relationship. I tried motivational speeches on YouTube. And y'all, I, I even tried yoga. Um, seriously. I did the incense. I did the candles. I did the music. All I'm alone in my room as a 22-year-old. Um, yeah. But what had started to happen was just like the sin and the drugs and the alcohol and the sex that I was living in, the momentary 
actions of doing these things that were supposed to complete me actually led to the same result. See, I was not fulfilled by these. These would last three or four or five days, maybe a week at best, like yoga. But then I would still be empty and I'd have to find something else. See, in the middle of all this, I tried church. I was like, all right, well, these people go to church. I'll go to church, and I didn't get it. See, I was driven away because of the hypocrisy and the judgmental people that I saw, and the judgment that became associated with Christianity to me. That's what Christianity was. It was judgmental people and people that looked like me. See, and I began to tell myself, and I figured it out. I said, if God is God and Jesus is real and Jesus is supposed to make dead people alive, then why do the people still look like me? Why don't the people that claim Christ look more like him? So I came to a place where I was an atheist. I began to see that church was just people gathering together on a Sunday saying, okay, well, I'm just going to do this, check it off my list, because this is what I want to believe in. This is the person that I want to be. That they were there for themselves and not to worship a holy God. See, eventually that summer, um, I began to get invited with a connect group. And for y'all that don't know what a connect group is, it's our life group, our community group, our Bible study, all put together in one. We call it a connect group. It's awesome. Um, so a friend began to invite me, and I think, y'all, he invited me. We did one a week. He invited me 12 times, 12 weeks in a row. It was like every Tuesday night I would get a text, hey, you coming to group? And I would think of every excuse. I think I used them all. I used uh, truck batteries dead, my dog ran away, which he probably did. Um, and y'all, I even started, I started a flag football team to play on Tuesday nights, just so I didn't have to go. And uh, eventually, I think it was raining, and he texted me and said, hey, we're, we're firing quail, you're coming. And I said, you had me at quail. Um, <laughs> So I began to go to this group, and I experienced, for the first time, real love. I experienced authentic community. I saw people sitting together reading the Bible, and they actually understood, and they actually acted like they were okay because they weren't perfect, but they knew that God was. See, I went on this quest, and I found my Bible, and I wiped all the dust off of it, and I began to try to read it. And what I did, I opened it up, and I tried to read it, and I got mad because I didn't understand it. I didn't know where to start. I didn't know how to read it. I remember talking to God for the first time in my life, and I told God, I said, God, you got one week to show me who you are, or I'm out. And now today I think, like, God, like Abba the Father, who's the creator of all things and sustains all things and redeems all things, and I'm talking to him like he's down to me. But God, being rich in mercy, um, exactly a week later on September 9th, 2015, I surrendered my life to Christ, and I realized that God's grace was bigger than my sin. I realized that he loved me. I realized that God's love that he had for me. For the first time in my life, I actually understood what love was, and that was sacrifice, and it finally came together in my heart, thinking of Jesus dying on a cross, that the only way that I can be reconciled and, and brought to God is out of love from God becoming man and dying a life that, on a death that I deserved. See, what it actually... Um, I called my pastor at the time and I said, hey, pastor, I don't know what I'm doing, but I need to give my life to Jesus. So we prayed this prayer, the sinner's prayer, as many people call it, and I uh, went home and I really didn't feel any different. I didn't feel changed. I didn't feel the Holy Spirit descending on me like a dove and speaking to everybody saying, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. So I didn't feel that. So I did what any investigator was, would do, and I went and tried to figure it out. 
And I was actually scrolling through Facebook and one of those people, one of my friends that always puts verses out of context, yeah, she put up uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. And I was like, God, that's, what, that's, that's the God I need. So uh, being the Christian that I already was, I opened up my Bible and I went to the table of context and found Jeremiah. And I scrolled or I found it and Jeremiah 29, 11 wasn't what captured me. Jeremiah 29, 13 was. It says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. I will be found by you. See, right there I realized that I had gone about it all wrong. See, I came to God for what he could get, give me and what he could get me out of instead of for who he was. Right then I remember laying down on my face and saying, God, I'm sorry. I repent. God, I turn away from what I've been doing, God, and I realize who you are, and that's why I'm going to worship you. So Brandon's going to come up and talk about Peter. Peter answers, God asked, or Jesus asked Peter, who do you say that I am? And it went to the point where God asked me, who do you say that I am? And I answered that you are the Messiah, the son of living God, and I want to follow you and worship you and give my life to you and surrender to you. See, A.W. Tozier says this. He says, what comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. So what comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And that, in my heart, has been so true. And in people's hearts, it's been so true that whenever we recognize God for who he is, then our lives reflect that. See, there was a couple things that led me to this decision to pick up my cross and follow Jesus. And it was one that realizing that Christianity is about following Christ and not about rules and regulations. It's not about the religious side of it. See, that God wanted a genuine, wholehearted relationship with me. See, that God wanted to use super religious people, he would have used the Pharisees instead of the fishermen. The second thing I realized is that the weight of my own sin. See, I'd always heard this gospel about that God is good, Jesus is good, and all this, but I never heard how bad I was. Heard about the cure, but never heard about the disease that I was under, that by my sin, I was actually separated from God, that I was an enemy from God. And by claiming a Christian life, I was doing God bad because I actually wasn't following him because he wasn't in my heart. See, and by faith, by belief, which is not a noun, it's actually an action verb. That means that it's not in one continual spot. It's not a one-time movement, but it's a continual lifestyle that by this faith, by this belief, which is active, that I am forgiven, that God does not look at my past, he does not look at my present, he does not look at my future sins and smite me. Instead, he looks at me and sees Jesus on a cross in my place, that Jesus willingly died for me, that on this day, 1985 years ago, Jesus walked into Jerusalem to his death willingly. Peter said, you don't have to go, and Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. See, after Christ, I've been saved about two and a half years, and uh, it's not always been easy. See, I don't know all the answers. I don't get a lot of things. Uh, there's still times that I struggle. There's still times that I fall short. It actually has become a lot harder in many ways. See, I've seen a, a beautiful woman suffer from a brain tumor. I've seen one of my best friends die in a hurricane. I've lived among the persecuted people in the Middle East. I've seen starvation. I've seen poverty. I've seen a lack of medical attentions that we can get at our CVS. 
seen a lack of drinking water that we take 20 minute showers. There's been times when the word, the lamp into my feet has been so foggy that I can't see my feet to take the next step. There's been times where I've gone through suffering and not understood it. There's situations in my life right now that I don't understand, that I don't know all the answers and it bothers me. I continually ask God why and every day I tell God no. But through two years, I've seen God do amazing things. I've seen God rescue people out of their slavery of themselves. I've seen God take dozens and dozens and dozens of people and bring them to themselves to call them worshipers. I've seen people get saved in three different continents. I've seen God move in a mighty way in my life. And here's what I know. I know that one, God is good. I know that he works together all things for his good. And the way that I know this is Romans 8, 28 that says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. See, my friend that died in, that, in the hurricane, his name was Matthew. And he had a book, and that book had a lot of names in it. A lot of his best friends, a lot of my best friends, and a lot of those people have come to Christ because of it. By his death, God has used that for his good, for God's good. I don't get it, I don't understand it, but he's God. And he works, and he works whenever we're least expecting it. And the second thing I know is that whenever I do lay my life down, then I truly experience life. See, the end of this verse says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. See, we find our lives whenever we lay down our lives. It's ironic, it's weird, I know, I don't get it, but what I do know is that it's true. See, and that I know that God has a plan for my life. I know that whenever I walk by faith, not by sight, then God moves tremendously. I know that whenever I'm in those places where I can't see my feet, but I take a step, that God is there with open arms and a ring and a robe saying, welcome home, son. I know that God's promises are not an instantaneous result, but they're through faith, they're through triumph, they're through suffering and endurance. I know that the word, the word of God gives life. See, the Bible isn't true to me because I believe every word in it. It's true to me because I've never seen a single word fail. See, and the last thing that I know is that he can be trusted. I know that God can be trusted, that he's a good father, that his plan is to bring all nations to himself, and I get to be a part of that plan. That every tribe, every language, every tongue will eventually bow before the father. And that's who God is. And I can trust him. I can trust him because he's good, because I've seen the good and the bad, and I know that God's plan always prevails. See, there's two things that the gospel answers that I searched throughout my whole entire life. The first one is, who am I? Who am I? Who are we? Who are we as human beings? And the gospel answers that, that I am his, that I was bought with a price, that I was redeemed, that I was reconciled, that I was made clean by the blood of the lamb, that I was made clean by Jesus, that there's nothing that I can do to make God love me more and nothing that I have done to make God love me less. See, Galatians 2.20 is my favorite verse and it says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live by faith in the son of God who died and gave himself up for me. See, I believe that whenever God was with Moses and Moses says, what should I call you? What should be your name? And God says, I am. I am. See, I think he's talking to me too because whenever the enemy or whenever a voice comes inside of my head and says, you're not, I can say, but he is. See, that we can respond with he is because we know him, because we know the great I am. And the second thing it answers is what is my purpose? 
See, in the garden, God created earth and man to fill it with his glory. So my purpose is to glorify God. See, I was made by God for God, and whenever I glorify God, as earth is literally shown in his glory. So church, I believe that today is the day to die to ourselves. I believe that today is the day to not settle for average. I believe today is the day to walk into the abundant life that God promises and Jesus tells us about. See, I believe that God is not done here. I believe God wants to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever think and we could ever imagine. I believe that Sunday mornings don't consist of sitting in this room and going home and not remembering it. I think Sunday mornings is an is a afterthought of our worship throughout the week. I believe that God wants to change us. I believe that God does change us internally so that we can change the world eternally. See that we are movers and shakers of the kingdom. We are movers and shakers of every inch that God, that every inch of Statesboro, every inch of Pooler, every inch of Vidalia, every inch of Millen, every inch of whichever one I'm forgetting is claimed for Jesus' name. And it's our duty, it's our privilege, it's our honor to be image bearers of Jesus Christ and say, this is yours because I am here. And I'm going to claim it and I'm going to be a, a faithful witness. But that only comes with dying ourselves. It only comes from repenting and turning away and saying, God, I am yours. Um, so God, the best is yet to come, guys. But we must come to our end of ourselves. If you would, uh, pray with me and then Brandon's going to come up. Uh, Father God, we thank you, God, for who you are, God. We thank you for the abundant life that you promised. We thank you that you are not done here. We thank you that the best is yet to come, God, as we draw closer to you. We thank you that our eternities don't start when we die, God, but by knowing you, then our eternities start, God. So we just give you all things, God, and we praise you through all things. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God is amazing. Um, I wanted Wynn to share this morning. I get to meet with Wynn uh, just about every week. We miss a week here or there, but I've been able to see God move in his life over the last two and a half years um, and just really encouraged by that. And there's power in our testimonies. It shows the reality of who God is, what God has done for us, and how God works in us um, still today, it shows that the gospel is still powerful. And I really felt, and as he said, I asked him on Thursday, I, I feel like that's something we need to hear is other people's stories, which are really not their stories at all. It's God's story about what he's done through them. And so I don't want to take much time um, today. Uh, I think Wynn has said, so many amazing things. I do want to just take a second, though, and ask you a couple of questions out of the Scripture from today. Um, I want to back up a little bit from where Wynn was and start in Matthew 16, verse 13, and sort of add on to a little bit of how he ended. He said the best is yet to come, but we have to come to the end of ourselves. And the series we've been in is called The End of Me, and... It's about, it's about dying to us. It's about dying to my desires, my wants, my will, and living for God's. And in Matthew 16, 13, and 
through verse 26, we begin to see this, and we see this specifically in the life of Peter. Verse 13 says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And it says, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then Jesus says, but what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? And the first question I want to ask you is, who's defined God for you? Who's defined God for you? Jesus first asked them, who do people say I am? And sometimes, just like when said in his uh, testimony, we draw a conclusion about who God is based off of what we see in the church or what we've seen in the church or what we've seen from someone else. A lot of times we can even take um, our interactions with our parents, uh, with someone else that's influential in our life, and we can put those feelings uh, onto God and make that our description of God. But the accuracy of who God is is seen in the person of Jesus. Jesus was the word made flesh, so we find the accurate identity of God in his word and it's revealed to our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I wanna ask you, who defined God for you? Jesus asked them, but what do you say? And Simon Peter answered, and Simon's a lot like me. He's quick to speak and slow to think. And he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound on in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. And so Peter comes into this moment when Jesus says, you know, who do you say I am? And Peter gets it right, you know? And, and we can kind of identify with Peter in times that we felt successful or times that we did something good times that we've been commended. Here, Peter is commended, not just by someone, but by Jesus, right? And you can sort of picture in that story a little bit of pride and being a little puffed up and him saying, you know, I got this right. I recognize the son of God, the son of the living God, and it wasn't even revealed to me by a man, but God revealed him to me himself, and so there's a little pride that begins to come up. There's um, this uh, ab ability and this willingness to identify Jesus, to say he's the son of the living God. He's the savior. He's the Lord. He's the anointed one. But then it goes on in verse 21 and says, from that time on, after Jesus tells Peter he's the rock, after he tells him it's on this revelation of who I am that I'm going to build the church, it says from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priest and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And listen to this. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. 
And here we see Peter who has just said, you're the son of the living God. He's recognized the identity of Jesus. But then we see that his understanding is not complete because he pulls Jesus to the side and begins to rebuke him. And so his lack of complete understanding, his lack of understanding Jesus's purpose and his identity as what it meant for him to be the son of God, that that incomplete understanding led him to an improper response. And I think this is something that happens a lot in the church is we come to a place where we can say and we say easily and freely, yes, Jesus is the son of God, but then we come to this place as Peter has come to where Jesus is doing something, asking something, telling us something that conflicts with and contradicts our will and our wants. And so what happens then is we begin, and maybe not in our words, and maybe we would not vocalize it this way, but we begin to rebuke Jesus with our attitudes or actions because this isn't going the direction. He's not going the direction. He's not doing what I want to do, what I feel comfortable doing. And so there's this conflict that begins to happen. So it's easier for us to say who Jesus is than it is to submit many times our will to him. It's easier for us to say who Jesus is than oftentimes it is for us to submit our mind to his mind so that we begin to see and think the way he does. And listen to what Jesus says. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever wants to lose their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And so we see Jesus rebuking Peter, who he just said, blessed are you, Peter. Peter is probably really confused at this point. But Jesus is saying, you don't have in mind the things of God. I know for me, it's easy for me to get to that place with the distractions of the world and everything that goes on around us. It's easy to get to that place where I don't have in mind the things of God, that I'm in conflict with God. I'm in conflict with Jesus because really what I'm after is my will to be done, not God's will to be done. And as Wynn said, if the best is yet to come, then it means we deny ourselves. It means we take up our cross. It means we follow. But the reality for us in all of that is this, that if we've never tasted that the Lord is good, it's going to be hard for us to come to a place of denying ourselves. It's going to be hard to come to a place where we are willing to die to ourselves by taking up our cross. It's going to be hard for us to follow Jesus and not follow our own path. I think what happens a lot of times in church is we get to a place where we come into the doors. We've always gone or maybe we started going and we, we jumped into 
a lot of routines and a lot of exercises that give us a lot of head knowledge. But I think so many times what we've skipped or what we've forsaken and the starting point has to be our heart knowledge. It has to be God revealing himself through the Holy Spirit, not just as the son of God, but as the savior of the world, the one who gave his life for us so that we can truly have life. If we've never tasted that God is good, then it makes no sense to come to the end of ourselves. It makes no sense to follow or pursue God. And so have we stopped short of surrendering our will? Are we stopping short of surrendering our will? Have we stopped short of repentance or changing our mind and beginning to follow God's way, not ours? Maybe perhaps because we've never tasted that the Lord is good, or maybe perhaps because we've stopped craving and pursuing God. There's this crazy dynamic with God that he can completely satisfy us and leave us wanting more at the same time. But sometimes when we go periods of time without experiencing him, without tasting his goodness day after day, it's easy for us to begin to wander away from and no longer crave his presence. The thing I really feel like um, God's put on my heart, the thing I hope for you today is that through hearing Wynn's testimony, you don't hear, um, as Wynn said, a lot about him. I hope that today what you see is someone who's tasted that the Lord is good, someone who has come into a relationship and a heart knowledge of God, a intimacy that has given him something that has revealed to him who he is and why he exists. My heart in that is to bring us all to a place where we have to examine ourselves and say, am I just recognizing Jesus for who he is or am I really being a disciple who denies, who dies and who follows? And the promise of scripture is that if we do that, then we find life. It's ironic that we give up our life and we find life, but that's where true life is found. It's not found in religious motions. It's found in a relationship. And then as Wynn said in Jeremiah 29, 13, that if we seek him with all our heart, then he'll be found. He'll reveal himself to us, but have we tasted? Have we, by faith, by belief in who he is, but also trust in his promises and following him? Have we tasted the goodness of God? Is that something that is motivating us to continue with him, to spend time with him? And that's what I want for you. That's what our church wants for you is not a programmed life, but a real relationship with a very real God. The heart knowledge of who he is, 
time in his presence so that he can transform our lives to fulfill his purpose, which is to fill this earth with his glory. So today, what I wanna do to close us out is I really just wanna pray. The thing I know about every single person in this room is you're like when you're like myself, you're not perfect. You struggle with your will. I struggle with my will. You struggle with your desires. I struggle with my desires. We all struggle to at times follow. The Christian life, I believe, is very simple, but the Christian life is not always easy. Much of our life with Christ is a constant correction back to his will. And so today I, I wanna pray for us and I just want to ask you to examine your heart as to where you're at with that, where you're at in God's plan and purpose for your life, which is to bring him glory. Are we just admitting, confessing, accepting that he's the son of God or are we denying, dying and following? Because that's our source of life is following in the relationship. Not just mental ascension to who he is. So I wanna pray and let's ask God to check our hearts, let's examine ourselves and let's ask God to move in our hearts, to move us to do what he has in mind. Lord, thank you so much for your life. God, thank you for your death. And God, thank you that you are alive again. God, we, uh, we thank you that on Palm Sunday, we can celebrate you humbly coming into Jerusalem with your eyes fixed on the cross. And Hebrews tells us that it was for the joy set before you that you endured the cross and there was no joy in being forsaken, condemned under the wrath of the Father, but God, the joy was on the other side and reconciling creation to you. And I pray that if there's someone here today who doesn't know you, it doesn't have the heart knowledge of you, that today, God, they would seek you. They would say yes to you. They would not only believe in who you are, but they would begin to trust that you have done, will do, and are doing everything you've promised. Lord, we love you and just ask that you would correct us where we need correcting, encourage us where we need encouraging, strengthen us where we are weak and give us courage and boldness to fulfill our purpose of glorifying you and sharing you with the world. In Jesus' name.